This is Author Talk, presented by Author House, the leading provider of services to help authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. Author Talk is a show about new books and the authors who wrote them. It's an opportunity for prospective readers to hear directly from the writers, to hear what inspired them to write and publish, and to hear all the inside details about their books. Here is Author Talk. Greetings for Author Talk. This is Jay Douglas Barker. The book title is The Spirit Within, and joining me from Florida is retired pastor and writer of author and author of this book, excuse me, Dr. John H. Robertson. Welcome, sir, to the program. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be with you. My honor. I uh, discovered in our earlier conversation that you have a music background, also a pastoral background, and now you are venturing into the world of authoring. Share with me and with my listeners a little more of uh, of your background as a musician uh, in that field and how you became a pastor and why this book was written. Well, I uh, had graduated uh, from Juilliard uh, School of Music in New York with a master's, bachelor's, uh, bachelor's, master's, and doctorate uh, degree in, in piano performance. Um, I branched out later into uh, symphony conducting um, and have had the opportunity and great pleasure of conducting many wonderful orchestras here in the United States uh, and uh, throughout uh, Europe. And so um, that side of my life uh, has been very rewarding and and very blessed. Um, I am the son of a of a minister and uh old good old pk kid mm-hmm. and um so the, the church uh i grew up in the church i grew up um uh, listening you know attentively to the word of god on a weekly basis and uh, was very very fascinated with um uh with the whole the whole world of of theology um, as a Bible student, which I enjoyed very much uh, studying the word of God. I found myself very, very, very attracted to this. Um, As time would go on, uh, uh, when my father uh, retired uh, from the church he was pastoring, um, uh, I took over and um, pastored for almost 14 years. Wow. And so it's, it's been a, it's been a uh, situation where uh, the love of the word uh, and uh, being also blessed with a, with a gift for music has uh, kept my life, tremendously occupied and wonderfully so that's fascinating just in its own right but then you decided you needed to be a uh, or wanted to share in authorship this book that you have penned and i'm i'm curious about uh, how long that process took and what 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 motivated you to do so well you know i <clears throat> this is really the outgrowth of a, a, a set of sermons that I uh, gave to to our fellowship. Uh, the whole 
business of uh, the Holy Spirit dealing with our spirit. Mm. Um, Jesus uh, said to Nicodemus uh, in their in their in their uh, wonderful meeting that uh, you must be born again of spirit. Uh, and uh, interestingly, in that conversation, uh, because Nicodemus had asked him, you know, what does he need to do to be saved? Um, when Jesus explained this whole business of uh, Holy Spirit uh, dealing with our, our spirit, um, Jesus asked him a question and he said, because Nicodemus, you know, seemingly never heard of this and it was strange to him. And he said, how can you be a teacher in Israel and not know these things? Hmm. That uh, really struck me. Uh, it just, it means then that this teaching um, was not so new uh the spirit to spirit communication that it it should have been uh, it should have been taught and dealt with all along and hmm. literally uh, one day I was uh, studying and I came across a passage in the book of Job um, where after Job's troubles and, and whatnot, and his friends came to console him, there's a young man by the name of Elihu who, who came to speak, and, uh, and he makes a statement. He says, there's a spirit in man, and the breath of the Almighty gives him understanding. Yes. Now, that, that struck me uh, powerfully because the book of Job is the only non-Judaic book in the Old Testament, and and dates at least 500 years or so uh, um, before our our early tracings of 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 Judaism, and so here here is exactly what Jesus was saying to uh, to Nicodemus um, that there is this. Holy Spirit, our spirit connection that uh, uh, needs, that should be in existence uh, everywhere. And of course, I then ask the question, how uh, John the Revelator uh, 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 says that at the end of time, when uh, there are a number of a number of people that man can't even, the number was so great that found salvation. Uh, and I asked the question, how, how did these people, how did they get wind of this? I mean, how, how did they understand this? Mm. Um, you know, we, there weren't missionaries. Uh, uh, there weren't uh, uh, self-help programs, uh, technology to reach the ends of the world it says all tribes and people and nations and languages and so right. forth this this whole vast array of how did they get to know this 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 life-saving information and the simplistic answer is that there is a spirit in man and this and and the breath of the almighty gives him understanding so 
communicates with him and explains and tells him all of these things. Just as Jesus said, uh, when I send back the Holy Spirit to, to you, to the disciples, he will lead you into all truth. Mm. So that that was the 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 gist of of these sermons that I gave and uh after it after I finished that I a number of congreg- congregants came to me and said you know you really ought to put that down on paper <laughs> uh, uh you know we'd like to study it again and and uh, because it 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 sort of um opens up a kind of another another avenue um, when you think for example of the the, the how sectarianism um, you know you have all of these different churches um, uh, in with just within Christendom within uh, who one says well you know if you don't belong to this group mm-hmm. um, <laughs> You're you're just not going to make it because that group doesn't have it right, and so forth and so on and so on. Um, how 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 do we how do we get the the the, the right information um, without it being in some way doctored up by this group versus another group versus another group, and so the whole concept of the spirit within and the relationship of, of the Holy Spirit to our spirit um, is makes was the reason that I, I decided to attempt to to write something down. You know, I think of I think of the, the passage in, in Romans where uh, it reads uh, the Holy Spirit witnesses with our spirit that we are heirs, joint heirs. Mm-hmm. with Christ. Right. Uh, there, there, there you are. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is witnessing with our spirit that we are. So it just seemed that, and then the more I studied, the more I studied, it just, there were so many passages of Scripture, both from Old and New Testament, that spoke to this very, very concept um, that I, I just felt compelled to Try and put it down on paper. Well, it's it's a it's a very helpful book from that perspective. Uh, the New Testament describes the gospel message as a mystery in some ways, also. And in order to peel back those layers of mystery, uh, we need to be plugged into the right source as well. I think that probably exactly. would be an under underlying uh, message of your book. Correct. Exactly. You hit the nail on the head. That's exactly the point. Well, exactly the point. You, you, you have written this. Uh, is this a book that is, uh, I guess, from a primarily sta- primary standpoint, this, this would be a book that perhaps pastors, uh, Bible teachers, students, maybe even the curious, uh, would find instructive. Uh, was there anyone specifically besides your congregants that you thought, you know, this is a, a message I need to share? Uh, you've 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 uh, evaluated very correctly all of these areas, uh, 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 whether it's whether it's the ministry or 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 the laity. Um, uh, this is an opportunity to to uh, take another look at 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 the traditional uh, way in which we 
we we perceive that the gospel uh, is is communicated uh, to the world. I mean, you know, take 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 the the sheer reality, for example, that that the Bible, which is our which is for the for the for the Christian uh, the source mm-hmm. of 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 information. Um, there are thousands of, of, of people in different parts of the world, the languages for which the Bible hasn't even been translated. True. You know, um, um, when you, when you think of, um, uh, when you think of the, 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 the breadth and the scope of, of, I mean, today we, we, we can communicate extraordinarily through, you know, the various means of communication, but it was not that long ago in, in, within even my lifetime uh, uh, where communication was not possible to remote parts of the world um, as it is, as it is today. And then what about years and years and decades and decades and hundreds and hundreds of years prior to that? Mm. Uh, and so it just seems that that we have um, sort of simplified. Well, we we we've made something that 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 functions um, in in our vision as we see things, as we understand that we can take a telephone and call here, and we can send a message here if if um, if an earthquake is 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 occurring in this place. Uh, we can actually witness it as it goes on in another place uh, because of the means of communication. But that has not always existed. No. And yet, and and yet, all of these people cried out and said, "You know, uh, we found salvation uh, in our time um, prior to all this." Well, how how did that happen? I mean, how how did that work? And that has been sort of my uh, the the motivating force that uh, caused me to to read a lot of texts of scriptures uh, uh, in sort of a a, a new light um, in 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 order to answer in a, in order to answer. Um, my my own my own personal questions well it's uh, it's certainly a, a very effective book from the perspective of uh, laying out the basics and then giving some insight into how the holy spirit works in a believer's life uh, you mentioned the fact of uh, how how technology has changed over, over your lifetime and and mine as well uh, you know, there is those who embrace what is called prophecy in the New Testament, especially, and even the Old Testament. Um, there is a passage that says that every eye is going to behold the, the return of Jesus Christ when he comes back to this world and this earth. Many people uh, think that's spiritual, but I believe from a very practical standpoint, you know, the television cameras of the world could certainly pick up an event like that if it does occur. But there's no question, and there's no question that that our that we we have to broaden our view of of uh, how uh, God speaks to 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 humanity and 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 how that can be transmitted uh, in in a way that um, 
I think for too long has been too localized and too sectarianized um, to do full justice to to God so loving the world. In fact, in the Greek, it's actually God so loved the cosmos mm-hmm. is the correct translation. Uh, the cosmos, which actually takes in takes in far more than just this world. Um, interestingly to me also is that you you get the the sense of that in the book of Job that you get in virtually no other none of the other uh, books of the Bible uh, where you you sense a a universal God dealing with 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 universal issues um, uh, that that come to light in fact re- reading the book of Job first the first two or three chapters um, really takes it out of this narrow, narrow view and, and gives it a much broader, broader perspective. Well, thank you for your insight. The title of the book, again, is The Spirit Within. My guest author has been Dr. John, J-O-N-H, Robertson, who has joined me from Florida. Dr. Robertson, where can my listeners get a copy of this book? Uh, it's available through um, all of... Uh, uh, the bookstores, the Amazon, whatever, you know, all of the, the book outlets, uh, it's available. Um, and they can also do a search under your name, Robertson, Dr. Robertson. Yes, absolutely. And uh, are, are, you, are you the author of any other books at this point, or are you planning something no. near, near in the future? No, no, I, no, I, I, this has been, uh, uh, this has been one, one birth, at a time, and, uh, <laughs> I, I, I just uh, uh, been just thankful to God for uh, the the opportunity to to uh, to try and put something on paper that uh, uh, reflects what I believe the the Spirit has been leading me. Well, fabulous, and and I will mention to my listeners this is not a. a, a, a a long book to read. It's 104 pages, but it's full of wonderful references and insight. The title of which, again, is The Spirit Within. John H. Robertson is the retired pastor and author of this book. Get your copy at the local booksellers or do a look online under the name of the author, Dr. John or John H. Robertson. Thank you, sir, for joining me today and sharing your story. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. For author Author Talk, this is Jay Douglas Barker. You're listening to Author Talk. We'll be back right after these messages. Have you heard? The pages of American Patchwork and Quilting magazine come to life on our new weekly online radio show, American Patchwork and Quilting. Join Pat Sloan, our blogging and quilt designer host, as she talks about the latest trends, ideas, and inspirations. Her guests include quilt pattern designers, authors, quilt shop owners, and our editors. All quilters, just like you. Call in with your questions. Get quilting tips from industry experts. Learn about free patterns. Hear behind-the-scenes stories from our magazines, American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilt Sampler, and Quilts and More. Get the scoop on free stuff and find out more about the best independent quilt shops in North America. To listen to a live show, tune in Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Just log on to allpeoplequilt.com slash radio. To hear past shows, go to iTunes and search for American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. We hope you'll join us because we know that quilting changes everything. Welcome back to Author Talk. 
brought to you by Author House. Helping authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. Greetings for Author Talk. This is J. Douglas Barker. The book title is How to Cope with Life's Struggles. Practical Advice for Victorious Christian Living. And joining me from the Bahamas is author Dr. Sherman Stevens. Welcome, sir. Welcome. It's happy to be on your program today. Well, honored to visit with you. You have a, a, a fascinating uh, connection with a, a well-known uh, pastor and minister who was from the Bahamas, uh, who has uh, recently uh, passed away. That was Dr. Miles Monroe. I found that a fascinating uh, forward in your book. The, the book itself, how many pages and uh, what was the purpose of writing this, sir? Uh, there are 245 pages. And the purpose of writing it came out of a dream. I was awakened around 3.30, 4am on a particular morning. Hmm. I went to bed tired. And uh, I was awakened out of sleep in my spirit. The title, How to Cope with Life Spirit, yeah. How to Cope with Life Struggles, came into being. Right. And I immediately got up. I know from scriptures that you have to write the vision and make it plain. So what I did, I got up, found a pen, and I wrote the topic, How to Cope with Life Struggles, down. Uh, you have uh, started your book with something that is uh, kind of like, well, yeah, I mean, anybody would figure that out, have a positive mindset. But there's more to that. You have some, some depth to uh, the, what you're sharing in the book, although it may seem like by chapter uh, by chapter heading, well, uh, yeah, everybody thinks of that. What do you feel is uh, is unique about your book? Well, what is unique is that uh haven't seen so many persons who are struggling in all aspects of life, uh, be it drug abuse, be it uh, uh, alcohol abuse, be it people struggling with marital relationship, uh, teen peer pressure. You've seen that. That is popping out of the ground, so to speak, mm -hmm. in public schools. And therefore, I saw the need that this subject should be developed. People are hurting. Sometimes they need a source uh, to help them along, to help them develop personally in their lives. You know, you, we have the Bible. Yes. The Bible is there for forewarning, but people still need other materials to be able to help them along. This, this I agree with. In fact, uh, many people, uh, you know, whether it's uh, in the spiritual uh, life uh, circumstances that you have outlined in your book, or whether it's just in practical everyday stuff, uh, we need to be reminded, even though we may know something, uh, we may need to be reminded of, of, uh, of something over and over again in order to, to make it a lifestyle or a life commitment. I agree. And, you know, um, we are guided by many things. Uh, in, my, in my book, I mention about eight great steps. I believe anyone and everyone can become an overcomer. Hmm. Nothing is too far-fetched. 
no problem is too great because the the greatest thing that we as individuals, Jay, that we can improve with is to do better. There's always a space in our lives that we can look forward to and move expeditiously towards what God wants us to be. Absolutely. And so we need to look at his examples, examples what God would have set for us as Christians. And what I find out, even for those persons who are not Christians, they too can benefit with living victoriously and healthy lives. You have mentioned the eight uh, eight steps. Uh, can you outline at least some of those steps that you uh, have focused on in your book? Yes, I will. We have uh, the eight steps coming to it right now. That's chapter 19, I think. It's chapter 19 in the book, and we're coming to it right now. There we go. I thought I had it, but I'll find it momentarily. That's okay. Yeah. Uh, you have, uh, you know, a l- okay, lot there of we go. There it is. Yeah. We have, number one, courage. You cannot be successful in your personal relationship with God or with mankind unless you have courage. Number two, confidence. Three, desire. Four, trust. Five, faith. Six, belief. Seven, obedience. Eight, strength. And why we mention those, they are characteristics that if an individual possessed those, he or she would be able to stand the wiles of the devil. Absolutely. And there's there's some good practical advice there even for non-Christians or non-believers. Uh, you know, it's, it's important to have faith and to have confidence and have strength. And uh, usually there is a path that you need to follow, and that would be obedience. Of course, the underlying uh, foundation of your book is faith specifically, and and, uh, I'm guessing uh, directed primarily to people who are uh, people of faith and people of of churches and uh, believers. Is that correct? That is correct. That is correct. And how long did it take you to complete this, Dr. Stevens? It took me just over three years to complete this. Hmm. Uh, I had to put in and take out, I had to amend, I had to correct, so it took some time to get it right. Do you do you feel like your book is uh, one that needs to be, you know, written from, uh, not written, but uh, fr- has, to, has to be read from page 1 through, you know, 268 or 265 or whatever it is, in order for someone to benefit from it, or can they maybe make this a devotional piece? My feeling is that, and this is why I start uh, chapter one about having a positive mindset, Mm. because in anything in life, even if you look at it in a secular world, if your mindset towards achieving a particular goal is not set, then that individual is likely to fail, because we must know where we are headed. And so I feel by setting the foundation 
as to having a positive mindset that people would be able to sensitize their minds. And um, I think it will say to them that you need to read further. Yes. Because the ultimate, the ultimate goal is to have them to change their lives and to make Jesus Christ foremost in their minds. That's the ultimate goal. And the feedback you've been getting so far, I mean, Dr. Monroe uh, tragically lost his life uh, just, I, what is it, two or three years ago, I guess, in a in an in a uh, airline or air, airplane uh, accident, if I remember the story. Uh, yes. He, he obviously reviewed your book. Uh, have there been others that, that have given you positive feedback and encouragement in uh, what you've shared? Uh, yes, I did have some uh, um, other reviews. And uh, and I, some of it is very positive. And um, I just had, um, to be honest, I just had a little negative interview with one of the three interviews reviewers. And but it didn't mind me because sometimes you know, book reviewers, if you touch a particular issue, mm-hmm. uh, I give you an example. Let's say I touched the issue of alcoholism. Yes. And that individual who is reviewing the book is an alcoholic. Well, they're not going to be too favorable with me. But in all things, I still give thanks for all reviews because you look at it um, where you can improve, and that's exactly what I'm doing for my upcoming second book. Ah, I am not surprised there will be a follow-up book. Uh, Do you have a title for it yet? Oh, yes. The title is the qualities of good leadership. Oh, fantastic. Yes. W- one that uh, I'm sure will have a broad audience in addition to what you've already shared in this book, How to Cope with Life's Struggles. Uh, what do you hope will be accomplished with this book? Besides, uh, you know, making an impact, uh, obvious impact in the church community, is there is there anything else that you are uh, feel you want to accomplish with it? Yes. Jay, I am looking at public schools. There's a whole chapter there that deals with teen peer pressure. Mm. Uh, We are having lots of issues in our government public schools. And I would suspect it's the same as in the great United States of America. Issues and happenings at these schools and unnatural events. And so I'm looking to partner with the Minister of Education in um, having books of this kind to go out to public schools where the government would purchase so many copies of the books. Because I believe in issues that was mentioned, these youngsters in the public school today, if they read and see certain things, they could avoid it instead of allowing themselves to fall into degradation. Absolutely. Absolutely. You you have not uh, shied away from uh, 
public commentary either in your book, although it's not uh, one of just, uh, I don't know, negativity toward uh, the populace, but you do have one called Spiritual Checkup, Drop Trouser Attire. I thought that was a fascinating uh, idea to put that in the book, talking about some of the uh, cultural changes that have taken in the community and and how it is uh, degraded, um, I think, society to some, some degree, and how important it is for those who who proclaim to be Christians or people of faith that they uh, they conduct themselves in a way that honors their their commitment to God. Yes, you know, Jay, what um, interests me with that, everywhere I travel, whether it's in the Caribbean, the United States, everywhere I travel, within my own country, the Bahamas, I would see men, sometimes grown men, hmm. wearing the trousers below the belt. <laughs> And um, I think that is nasty, yeah. uh, you know. And so I'm wondering, what kind of mindset do yeah. this individual have? I usually say a young woman who is looking for a good husband should never never marry a man who is um, wearing drop trousers. Hmm. Well, it's, it's a bad example. It's not only that. I, I have uh, relatives, uh, young, young ladies, uh, I probably shouldn't say granddaughters, but they are uh, of mine that uh, you know are are being influenced by society, even though they're they're great kids and and have a faith commitment in their lives. Uh, you know they they are trapped or not trapped, but enticed by by what is uh, considered norm in society, whether it's the way they dress or you know how they behave. Uh, it, it's 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 sad uh, that society has come that far in the wrong direction and that the Christian faith yes. itself is afraid to take a stand on, on uh, the right way to dress and the right, right way to, to uh, conduct yourself in public. Um, so yes. uh, thank you for addressing all of that. That's, that's an important aspect of, of our faith walk as well. The title of this book, again, is How to Cope with Life's Struggles, Practical Advice for Victorious Christian Living, and joining me from the uh, Bahamas has been our author, Sherman Stevens. Uh, Dr. Stevens, where can they get a copy of your book? My uh, book can be purchased online, uh, Amazon, or Barnes & Noble at the present time. We are seeking to get it in some stores. We'll be working at that early in the new year, getting the book physically in some stores within the continental United States. It's uh, in some bookstores in Zambia, and it's about to be at a bookstore uh, shortly for Kenya. Excellent. Excellent. And they can do a search online under Sherman, S-T-E-V-E-N-S, to find this book and the next book that's uh, coming in the series. And uh, my presumption is also that there will be a website, if not already developed, that will carry your story and uh, your inspiration that you will share with the world. Well, we have a website. It's www.shermanstevens.com. Very good. Listeners, get a copy of the book. Uh, if you have someone that's a uh, maybe a, a Sunday school teacher or a Bible teacher of any type, they, I'm sure, would find uh, a lot of uh, fascinating and instructive and inspirational thoughts in this book. Thank you, Dr. Stevens, for sharing your story with us today. You are welcome. My pleasure. For Author House and Author Talk, this is Jay 
Douglas Martin. You're listening to Author Talk. We'll be back right after these messages. Do you ever wonder if you're the only woman who runs errands in her yoga pants so it will look like she went to the gym? Or how about the only mom who feeds her kids raw cookie dough? Or are you the only one who cooks her family cold cereal for dinner? Do you need more laughter and less loudness? More self-love and less self-loathing? More joy and less judgment? You're not alone. Come to the living room, a place where we get comfy, candid, and confident together. Come seeking sanctuary and leave feeling renewed. We're saving a seat for you. Give yourself some living room today. Welcome back to Author Talk, brought to you by Author House, helping authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. Welcome to Author Voices on Air, and I'm your host, Rick Bell. Our next book is Saving Nia. It's a novel based on the real events of children who have been placed in foster care. And here to tell us more about this true story, about the things that have happened in these cases of neglect and abuse toward children by either parents or caretakers, as they're known, is the author herself, G.B. Jones. Welcome to the show. Thank you for talking to us today. Now, I've mentioned during my introduction there that this is a a novel based on real-life events, um, things that have happened to children. Can I start by asking how you came up with the idea and the decision to write this book? Where did it all come from? First, I'd like to thank you for for, uh, allowing me to be on your program. But the idea came from um, my work. I work as a social worker. I've been working about 20 years in the field. And I do work in the area of child welfare, uh, mostly in New York City. So I have seen, I I have felt the children's sadness. And this inspired me to write the book. Now, when you started working on the book, how difficult was it to, for you to include some of the stories, some of the real things that happened without giving away the identity of those that were affected? And also, um, what sort of help and feedback did you get from professional organisations, um, social care, parents and the children themselves? Well, the difficult part of writing was to write through uh, the the very sad um, events that that I've experienced happening to the children, um, to write through, you know, the crying scenes and uh, being removed from parents. Um, I have worked with foster parents, and uh, it's it's also sad to see a child removed from them, uh, from foster parents who've raised them since since infancy, as in the case of this book, the child Nia, a foster parent raised her since infancy. So um, that was the most difficult part, and um, I, I am a, 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 you know, have graduated from in the field of social work, master's degree and, and doctorate degree. So I have uh, a lot of literature to go along with this to to, to show that, it, that these tra- traumatic things that happen to children, foster children. You must have had a particular type of reader in mind when you started writing this book. Who did you write the book for, and why? I really um, wrote the book, I think, for one of the goals I had was that it could be used in, in, in schools, 
uh, the, the social work schools, uh, because a lot of literature doesn't really reflect the feelings of the children. And I felt my book comes from the perspective of how the children feel. Uh, a lot of times in, in, in a society, we look at what we think is best for the children, but the children are suffering from decisions, some of the decisions we make. So I was really uh, thinking about um, uh, the, the, the group of people uh, uh, in, in, in education, as well as parents, especially mothers, because I think mothers have a heart for understanding when children are in pain. And what do you hope or what do you expect readers of this book to take away or to learn from what you've written? I think they can learn that um, every, in all uh, social medias, you have to look at things from a very uh, non-biased uh, viewpoint. Um, I think that we have to learn how to hear all people, and even children, um, when they say they, they don't want to be removed from their homes or they do feel love in their homes. And so I'm, I'm thinking that uh, this book can offer another perspective that maybe can open people's minds to look at, uh, uh, you know, another perspective other than the, you know, the established perspective. I mentioned during my introduction that, that the, it's a novel based on true events, things that happen to children. How much of what's in the book is actual true events and how much of it is fictionalised to give the reader an insight into what's happening but without actually stating facts and how much of it is bare facts? Uh, the book is there, there. I would say the book is based on facts but it's not it, it, it's a written work it's not pervade, you know I don't go through somebody's life uh, step by step. Uh, the book is a scenario of things that happen to children, the police coming and removing uh, children from their homes. I would say maybe um, uh, 25% is actually what actually happened and 75% is, 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 you know, written through my viewpoint of children's um, feelings and things like that from what I've seen from them. Uh, so I think that uh, but the the whole book is is a reflection of what does actually happen to children who go through the child welfare system, but with my you know uh, breezing through their lives and um, not exactly pervade pervade them uh, you know walking through their lives. If you were asked to describe this book or to introduce this book to our listeners, um, and it's just a couple of sentences, how would you do that? And also. The second half of that question is that what do you feel makes this book different from other books on similar topics? So you've got two questions in one there. Well, I would, if I were to introduce this uh, book, I would say Saving Nia follows the traumatic lives of a family of children taken from their homes, taken from homes where they felt loved and placed into the home of strangers by the child welfare system. Um, I feel this book stands out because, as I said earlier, it, it tells the story from the child's perspective. I don't know of any child welfare book. Well, I have read another book that ch tells from the child's perspective, but it is one of the few books that tell the story from the child's perspective. And I, I think that's what makes it unique. And it also what makes it unique is it follows the, the whole, it follows the child into adulthood which is very rare because a lot of times we don't realize a lot of behaviors, negative social behaviors come from what happens to children in their early childhood. So this book follows the children until adulthood, into adulthood.
Okay, let's go back to the experience you had um, as a the novel as a uh, as a novelist as a writer of this book. Um, tell me some of the challenges that you must have faced because it's not, it's a very um, sensitive, controversial topic that you've written about here, and it's not going to be easily accepted by everybody. So you must have had to think about all these factors. So what were some of the challenges that you faced? And on the reverse side of that, what did you get in the way of rewards? Or when I say that, what did you find most rewarding um, when the book was finished, when it was, you know, this manuscript was accepted by the publisher and you finally had the, the hard copy in your hand? Tell us about that side of it. Well, I, um, the challenging part of writing the, the book, uh, was, um, working through, from a child's perspective, working through how children feel when they're removed from a home, how they feel when they're placed in a, in a, in a very, um, as in Nia's case, placed in a very, um, traumatic environment, drug addicted, uh, biological uh, parents' environment, and her suffering. It was very hard to portray a child's suffering. And, um, and I, um, I found I got re- most rewarding is to see a child come into fruition of adulthood successfully, although not all the children in the book have came to, into adulthood successfully. In other words, not all the children turned out to be a positive, uh, positive, you know, uh, contributions to society. So um, my reward was that seeing just, just walking through the ones who did come out to do well. Um, and I have experienced children, uh, lots of children who grow up and they, they really make a, a kind of a, a bad choices in life. And I'm trying to make this message that how important it is that children have a healthy, safe uh, uh, environment uh, that they're raised in home environment. Now you mentioned there that a number of the, the cases, a number of the children um, do not have uh, a good future after being taken into care and being having difficult upbringing and so on. But there must be a lot of cases with a happy ending. Give us an example of some of them from the book. Nia is the main character. Her cousin, Tone, uh, she didn't know this was her cousin because they were raised in forced care, so they weren't in a family environment, um, their family environments initially. Um, but her cousin, Tone, who she comes to meet and like, and... Um, uh, actually uh, drops out of school at 17 and she becomes homeless. And that's, that's very, very normal. I'm, I'm a social worker. I've actually seen children taking from, from, from um, group homes and, put, and taken to a homeless shelter because they had no homes. What happens at 18, the child welfare system, unless you have something going for you, for instance, you're really studious in school, if you haven't finished school or you, you're showing that you have a job, but if you're not, moving those directions and we know even our own children don't necessarily get there by 17 18 but what happens is they're taken to 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 a homeless shelter because they're considered adult and the child welfare system is no longer responsible for them um so this was this was um sad to see this lady she went and she did uh get extension it's called extension of care and she did get an extension but she messed up she um she lost her job and when she lost her job she was no like qualified because she had dropped out of school so she found herself, she only had a few more um, months to live in her apartment, and she was, um, you know, put out of her home because she had no income, and she had to walk on the street. She became homeless. And this is uh, very, uh, not very 
odd situation that can happen to children who went through, come through the foster care system because what happens is they lose all connection with uh, families. Family, it's called, um, there's, a, there's a, a term that's called where they, the family dissociates them. They, they're no longer part of the flow of the family. And they don't even feel comfortable going back into uh, to the family. And the family, sometimes a lot of families come from poverty and they can't really take care of an adult, uh, uh, an adult who's a, now an adult uh, in their family. So this lady is homeless and she really has a really hard time and it's very sad. And I describe her activities. Uh, she does walk into a church one day and the story moves her into a more positive direction. Is Nia um, based on someone that you've worked with, a particular client, or is it a mixture of different people? She's uh, actually based on a client that I've seen uh, tragic. Uh, I've, I've seen her tragedy. Now, I believe that the experience of writing this book has inspired you to write another book and that you're working on at the moment. Yes. I'm working on a book. I am very sensitive to, to, to situations which the, you know, the, the least of these, so to speak. Um, I'm working on a book that's dealing with um, uh, people who are um, brain damaged or have um, an inability to take care of themselves. And I'm working because I actually work in a group home with this population. And um, so I, I'm working with quadriplegics and, uh, but have very wonderful personalities and, and, and characters. And, and, and I'm, I'm work, that's the book I'm working on now is, is telling, it's called Mindless. And it tells about these young people, these people and the people who work for them and, and, and it encompasses the whole system. And everybody's part of that mindless category. So you certainly are someone that is inspired by those in need. When, when can we look forward to your second book being available for our listeners to read? I would say a year, a year from now, a year next year, 2019. <laughs> that's, that's wonderful. We'll look forward to that. And in closing, is there anything that we haven't covered so far during the interview that you would like to share with our listeners about the book? or about the work that you do, um, something that, you know, you feel is important for our listeners to know? Well, I just feel like I'm always writing about uh, things in society that need to be looked at closer. I think that we see outcomes in people's lives or even on a social scale, uh, um, even in, in groups of people that we categorize as, as in groups, as, as, as low income or racial uh, groups. And we don't realize that there's a lot of underlining social causes for people's actions. And I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to write to, to uncover people's prejudices and biases that's ingrained in our American fabric that, you know, just seeped in there and perhaps make people say, aha, yes, this is something that we need to look at and to help people have a better unity uh, across all type of, type of social and racial and, you know, societal uh, levels. Well, thank you for that and for taking the time today. Saving Nia is published by Author House and is available direct from the publisher at authorhouse.com forward slash bookstore and all good bookstockers. Once again, I'd like to thank my guest today, the author J.B. Jones. Thank for joining you. Me. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. This is Rick Bell for Toganet Radio 2.0. Thank you for listening.